Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Think Orange podcast. A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. G'day, everyone. Welcome back to the Think Orange podcast. My name is Dave, and as always, our goal here is to encourage, inspire, and resource you by giving you access to the speakers, the thought leaders, and the experts who are rethinking and reimagining the way ministry can be done. Now, we know that ministry can be incredibly challenging, especially as you start to relaunch for a new season with so many unknowns. Recruiting, onboarding, and training volunteers is never easy. So we're doing a giveaway of one of our favorite books, Lead Small. This book is designed to help every small group leader on the planet know exactly how important their role is in the lives of kids and teenagers. I'll tell you how you can win at the end of the episode. Now, today, we're joined by the one and only Crystal Chang to unpack how the community we build in our churches can actually thrive in times of crisis. Crystal is the Executive Director of Student Strategy at Orange and really one of my favorite people. Before joining our team in Atlanta, she spent 10 years as a high school Spanish teacher and student ministry leader, doing everything from small groups to speaking to curriculum design. She's the author of The Art of Group Talk with Teenage Girls, another great book to grab for your volunteers. Crystal really is an incredibly wise leader, and I know that you're going to be encouraged by her today. So let's jump straight in. I am Crystal Chang, the Executive Director of Student Strategy here at Orange. Thanks so much for being with us this week. And I imagine if you're a church leader, you've had a moment recently and a lot more before that where you found yourself thinking, this changes everything. Maybe you're a kids ministry leader and you remember that one time that the power went out and you had to keep 14 kindergartners' attention to tell a Bible story in the dark. That changes everything. Or maybe you're a youth ministry leader like me who decided for a magical week of church camp at the beach, you are going to have the best time out in the wind and the waves, only to be met with a tropical storm that left you sheltered in a condo for four straight days with very unhappy teenagers. I can promise you that changed everything. And the reality is church life is full of this changes everything kind of moments in good and bad ways. And that's what we're talking about today is what do we do with this changes everything moments? What do we do with a crisis? And crisis makes one thing clear really fast. Business as usual is out of the question. And a lot of us find ourselves wondering, well, what am I supposed to do instead? I mean, I grew up in a tradition that solved every crisis the exact same way. I have exactly one tool in my toolbox for how to manage crisis, and it's a casserole. If it's a fire, you bring a casserole. If it's a flood, if it's a funeral, you bring a casserole. And I think for a lot of us, there are not many more tools than that in our toolbox. And the question is, Are any of those really helpful? I mean, I love a good casserole, but is that the best that we can do in times of crisis for our community? And like a lot of you, lately my community has been in some life upending kind of crisis. And there have been moments where I feel like I've handled it well, but honestly, there have been a lot more moments where I feel like I've handled it poorly. And I wonder like, why on earth is anybody letting me lead anything? And thankfully, I've had the opportunity to talk with and to watch some amazing leaders from around the country who are doing some incredible things to serve their communities. And as I talk to them, 
this one idea just keeps coming up over and over and over. In fact, it's an idea that we see mirrored in the words of God through the prophet Isaiah. Through the prophet, God says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. And I don't know about you, but the last year and especially the last few months in my own church have felt like deep waters. And so have a few years before that. And I love that God begins with when, not if. You and I and our teenagers and their families will go through deep waters. But God goes on to say the most important thing. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. I mean, imagine that of all the tools at God's disposal, he had infinite ability to bring anything into the conversation. And he brings the idea of with. And it's kind of always the way God has worked, isn't it? From the very beginning, he was God with in the garden. And then he was God with Israel. And then Emmanuel, God with us. And finally, the Holy Spirit, God with us and in us. And you and I always, but especially during times of crisis, we have the ability to demonstrate the God with us mentality to the kids and teenagers that we serve. And of course, everything looks a little different when the world feels turned upside down. So sometimes in moments of crisis and in moments of tragedy, in moments of being upended, being with is going to look a little bit different as well. And that's what we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about is what does it look like to be with the kids and the teenagers and the families that we serve in tough times? The first way I've seen some great leaders show up, some great leaders be present with the kids and teenagers they serve in tough times is that they keep showing up in the ways that they always have. In other words, they continue to show up in familiar ways. One way I like to think of this is familiar rhythms demonstrate priorities. It tells the kids and families we serve that, hey, we still think this is important. And that can be really, really hard in times of crisis because we all have a natural tendency in tough times to turn inward, not outward, to self-isolate and to self-protect and to lean farther back, not to lean farther in. But you know this, that the message of hope that we carry is so important that in times like this, we have to turn the volume up, not turn the volume down. And often that just means meeting with the way we always have. We continue to meet in familiar ways because that's where kids know to find us. We continue to meet in familiar ways because that's where parents know to find us. I can't help thinking about the last year with my own small group. See, we've been journeying together for four years. We started when they were freshmen and they are graduating in the next few weeks. And I've been so surprised in the last maybe two months of how many kids have shown up that I haven't seen in years. And it's all kinds of different reasons. Sometimes it's the crisis in our community, but sometimes it's what's going on in their own lives. And they've kind of been coming out of the woodwork. I think of one girl in my group that I haven't seen since she was a freshman. And all of a sudden, she's an active member of our group again. And I can't help but wonder what would happen if that group wasn't still meeting in the same place and at the same time, like I can't help but wonder what would happen if she didn't have the same leader for four years or if she didn't have the same group mates for four years, where would she go? And who would she call? And that's true for so many of the kids and teenagers in our community that they will go away for a while because of family reasons or because of crisis reasons, they'll come back and they need a place to come back to that's familiar. So continue to show up 
in familiar ways. Or as the writer of Hebrews puts it, let's not give up the meeting together as the manner of some has been. A second thing that we can all do in times of crisis is not just show up in familiar ways, but show up in new ways. I mean, there are some unique opportunities that crisis and tragedy present us. And it doesn't mean we would have ever chosen these circumstances, but it does mean that we can do some new things to leverage these circumstances for the good of the kids and the teenagers and the families in our community. I mean, recently in my own world, we aren't able to meet in the same building where we've always met on Sunday at 4.30. But we're, keep, we're gonna continue meeting at 4.30, but we're gonna meet some other times during the week. We've been meeting on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights, and what I've noticed is different people show up different times. There's an amazing leader named Gina Abbas who demonstrates showing up in new ways. She told me recently when her students couldn't come to her church that she would show up in their driveways and text them, do you wanna have a dance party? And when they said yes, she would say, look outside your window. And she would turn up the radio in her car and have a dance party in their driveways. It's brilliant. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to see Estruma Baptist in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, show up for their communities in ways that honestly, I had never seen a church show up. Baton Rouge has suffered some incredible flooding and nearly every home was damaged. Um, and it was the middle of summer too, so the heat was unbelievable. And not only did Estruma continue to meet with their teenagers, but they continued to meet with their teenagers and train them on mold remediation. It wasn't just a message, but it was a message on how to serve their community. And by the way, here's a bottle of mold killer to take home to your family. And I thought, this is a new way to show up, but I think it might be more effective than the old ways. And as we think about new ways of showing up for kids and teenagers and families, one of the questions that's been really helpful for me is a question that, um, that honestly my boss, Kristen Ivy asked me all the time. The question is, how might we? When we're tempted to say we can't or we don't have the resources or it's impossible or no one wants to, how might we? How might it be possible? How might we serve? How might we show up in a different way this week than we showed up last week? To show up in familiar ways and show up in new ways. And the third idea is this, show up in their way. Now, I know everybody watching this is a great leader. You're spending your time becoming a better leader. You're amazing. And chances are, because you're a great leader, your ministry has some goals and some priorities, some things like attendance numbers and starting on time and quality programming and building some seamless transitions. And those are great most of the time. But we all know that crisis isn't the same as most of the time. And how we measure success has to look different in times of crisis for us to be successful at what really matters. I can't help but think about 9-11 when we talk about crisis. I was a 20-year-old college sophomore on 9-11-2001, and I was at a military school. The tension was unbelievable. And I remember at 11.30, the, the second plane had just hit, and I still had to go to history class. And I thought, what on earth will today's lecture be like? Everyone was hurting, everybody was scared, and especially the kids in the military program, they were a mess because they knew what this might mean for their future. And as we all kind of silently sat down in that class, I remember that my professor turned to the board and he began to write the notes 
just like he normally would. And someone kind of timidly raised their hand and said, I'm sorry, Dr. Flannery, do you know what's going on? And he said, yeah, I know. Planes, buildings, moving on, back to the Vietnam War. And he went on with his lesson plan for the day. And not only was it super tone deaf in that moment and not really helpful to anyone, but he missed an incredible moment to demonstrate what history looked like in action because he was so committed to his plan for the day. And even though that example feels crazy to me now, I recognize that I have a gravitational pull and chances are you do too. We all have a gravitational pull toward our own agenda. That's why it's helpful to remind ourselves that the goal of being with the kids and teenagers that we serve, the goal of being present, the goal is for them, not for us. And that means for them, we may have to change programming when it's more helpful to change programming. I mean, you know, around Orange, we love a scope and cycle. It's our teaching plan for three years to make sure that we cover and repeat what matters most. But I have to tell you, a scope and cycle isn't holy. It's a plan, but there are times that the plan will have to change because that's what's best for the kids and the teenagers that we're serving. Sometimes they need a game more than they need a message. I mean, sometimes they need a hug more than they need a worship set. Sometimes they need to talk more than they need to listen. And as leaders, we have the ability and the responsibility to lean in and get close enough and get personal enough to understand what they need in this moment and to pivot when we need to. Sometimes I find myself with my own group asking the question, how is this helpful for them right now? I know this is my plan, and honestly, this is a box that I have to check. This is a number that I have to turn into someone later this week, but how is this helpful for them right now? And sometimes that question helps me change my own plans. And the last way that we show up, we show up in familiar ways, of course, we show up in new ways, we show up in their way, but the last thing we can do is we show up in a way that they can show up. Hey, you know this, so much of family ministry is modeling. The truth is kids and teenagers in crisis are watching us. They don't know how to do this and they're taking their cue from what we do and how we show up and how we're present and how we lean into community is what they'll assume is the right way or is God's way. How they watch us be the church is how they will be the church when their time comes. And so while we plan great programming and while we prep great talks and while we leverage our unlimited Zoom account to play the biggest group games the internet has ever seen, let's also make sure that we model how to show up personally in a way that a kid or a teenager can practice showing up for their friends personally. And maybe that means we call a kid and just talk for five minutes or they see us call their parent and check in on them. Maybe it means if we're youth ministry leaders that we text five kids a day and just ask how they're doing. Maybe it means we send a physical postcard or a handwritten note or a care package to a family that's hurting. Maybe it means we show up with a meal for a hurting family. Not all of them, but just one. I love how my own pastor says this. We do for a few what we wish we could do for everyone. Because the value in that is that the few who are watching will do that for their few. And the few who watch them will do that for their few. And kids and teenagers will learn how to care for each other and be the body of Christ for each other by watching us. 
This, by the way, is why I love a small groups-based ministry. Because let's be honest, showing up personally for a family is a lot of work. It is for me, and I'm sure it is for you. And that's why having small group leaders, having adults who can be assigned to care for smaller groups of kids and teenagers and their families is really important. It gives us more leverage to be the church than we could have had otherwise. And you know this, there are two kinds of crisis, right? They're the kind that you see coming and they're the kind that you don't. And here's what I know about both. They will happen. You and I will go through deep water as a church. And while we can't plan for every detail of our response, we can pre-decide a few things that are going to set us up to be with the kids and teenagers and families we serve in a meaningful way. We can pre-decide a few things that will set up our communities to win. Crisis rarely affects one department in our church. Most often it will take all of us working together to turn the volume up on hope in times of crisis. And that's why we want to talk about how we're going to do that together before the crisis even happens. So we want your team to talk about this together sometime today or sometime in the next week. What does it look like for you to show up and be present and share community with your community and the families that you serve where you live? And here's why all this matters. Crisis has a way of cementing memories like nothing else. I mean, there's a reason that a lot of us see 9-11 more clearly in our minds than other things. There is a reason that a lot of us remember a financial crash or an earthquake or a flood more clearly than the other memories that we have. And for kids and teenagers and the families that we serve, often what they'll remember about us and what they'll remember about God is what happens in times of crisis. And we have the chance to cement in their minds an idea of a God who goes with them through deep waters, past and present and future, because we were with them that one time. Now, before you stop this podcast, as I said in the intro, I want to give you the chance to win a copy of Lead Small, as well as a bunch of other stuff in our small group ministry bundle. This consists of a book for ministry leaders called When Relationships Matter, five copies of Lead Small to hand to your volunteers, your own Do For A Few mug, and a Starbucks gift card. You can enter to win by leaving a review of this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll announce a winner on September 1st. Thanks so much for listening, and remember, when you think next generation or church strategy, think orange. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast. Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com.